Today's Old Testament scripture reading is from the book of Esther, chapter 4, which may be found at pages 522 to 523 of your pew Bibles. But first, let me call upon the Holy Spirit for guidance. Please bow your head. Heavenly Father, in your word, you tell us that unless you build the house, the workers labor in vain. Therefore, in this time together, as we gather around your word, may you build this house. By your Holy Spirit, give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you want us to see and hear. And open our hearts that we might be transformed at the reading of your holy word. In your son's precious name we pray. And all of God's people say, Amen. Esther chapter 4. When Mordecai learned all that had been done, Mordecai tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went out into the midst of the city, and he cried out with a loud and bitter cry. He went up to the entrance of the king's gate, for no one was allowed to enter the king's gate clothed in sackcloth. And in every province, wherever the king's command and his decree reached, there was great mourning among the Jews with fasting and weeping and lamenting, and many of them lay in sackcloth and ashes. When Esther's young women and her eunuchs came and told her, the queen was deeply distressed. She sent garments to clothe Mordecai so that he might take off his sackcloth, but he would not accept them. Then Esther called for Hetas, one of the king's eunuchs, who had been appointed to attend her, and ordered him to go to Mordecai to learn what this was and why it was. Hethak went out to Mordecai in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate, and Mordecai told him all that had happened to him and the exact sum of money that Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasury for the destruction of the Jews. Mordecai also gave him a copy of the written decree issued by Susa, for their destruction, that he might show it to Esther and explain it to her and command her to go to the king to beg his favor and plead with him on behalf of her people. And Hethak went and told Esther that Mordecai had said, what Mordecai had said. Then Esther spoke to Hethak and commanded him to go to Mordecai and say, all the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces Know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law to be put to death, except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter so that he may live. But as for me, I have not been called to come into the king these 30 days. And they told Mordecai what Esther had said. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go. Gather all the Jews to be found in Susa, 
and hold a fast on my behalf, and do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. May God bless this reading of his holy word to our understanding. There is a restaurant that I love going to eat at. I'm not going to mention any names so that no one thinks that I'm trying to gain free food from this restaurant. But one of the reasons that I love going there is typically when I go there, I hear this phrase several times. How can I serve you? They say it as soon as I step up to the counter to make my order. When they come by and check on me at the table, how can I serve you? Is there a way I can serve you? When I go and refill my drink, how can I serve you? When I refill my drink again, how can I serve you? When I top off my drink on my way out, I obviously drink a lot of soda when I go there. How can I serve you? But it doesn't stop there. After they've done whatever small thing that I've asked them to do, they usually look at me and say, it was a pleasure to serve you today. I think that willingness to serve and that seeing service as a pleasure is part of the reason why this restaurant is always packed every time I go, except for Sundays. I think this willingness to serve and finding pleasure in service are qualities that the church would do well to learn from. I think that if the Apostle Paul were alive today, that he would also agree. As a matter of fact, as he writes to the church in Philippi, they're in the midst of persecution. Howard mentioned that yesterday. The church in Philippi is being persecuted. And in the midst of a church being persecuted, Paul writes to them and he calls them to service. Not just service, Paul calls them to joyful service. Service done without complaining or grumbling or disputing. Hear the word of the Lord from Paul's letter to the Philippians. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 18. It can be found in page 1248 in your pew Bible. It says this, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God, a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has exalted him, highly exalted him, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now... 
not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you might be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon sacrificial offering of your faith. I am glad and rejoice with you. Likewise, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. This is the word of the Lord. Paul calls a troubled church, a church facing difficulty, to service. To an attitude of servanthood. And I think if Paul is calling the church in Philippi to serve, that call is still being shouted out to the church today. Servanthood. Now, I know you're sitting here and thinking, well, how do we get to that place where we as a church, but more importantly, we as individuals... Find a place of service. That's what I'd like to talk about today. I think there's three things that need to happen so that as a church, as individuals, so that you, so that I can finally come to a place where we desire to serve others. The very first thing that I need to think needs to happen is this. I think there needs to be a change of our mindset. We must change our mindset. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5. It says this again, having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, having this mind among yourself, having this mindset, there are other um, translations of that that actually say having this attitude, your attitude should be the attitude of Christ. Well, what's that attitude that Paul is calling the church to? And that attitude simply is the attitude of service. Paul is challenging the church to have the mind of Christ, to have the attitude of Christ. That's the attitude or mindset of a servant. I want you to understand something. There comes a moment where God, through Jesus, who is 100% God, takes on the form of a man, like you and I, but more importantly, takes on the form of a servant He sets aside all the respect and honor that go with him being God-made flesh. And he serves his very own creation. He, he, He says it this way in Mark chapter 10 verse 45. Jesus says this, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. There's also, I like the way John Ortberg says it. John Ortberg puts it this way. When he took the form of a servant, talking about Christ, he wasn't hiding who God is. He was sharing who God is. Because God is a serving 
God. Christ is calling us, or rather, Paul is calling us to share that attitude and that mindset of Christ. That willingness to serve each other. But here's the here's sad truth. Here's the sad reality. The sad reality is that this mindset, this attitude of servanthood doesn't come naturally to us. We are not naturally servants. We would rather be served. That's always really nice. It's not natural to us. And that's why Paul says that this mindset is ours in Christ. I want to challenge you to a life of service, but I do understand this. I do understand that what I want to challenge you to this morning through the scriptures is something that is difficult. Serving is hard. Serving is messy. And oftentimes we can't do it on our own, but we can in Christ. Paul says it a little bit differently in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. He puts it this way. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. In other words, without God in your life, you would not be willing to serve. Without God in your life, not only would you not be willing to serve, you would not find a place of service for his glory. Because it is a difficult thing. It's not something that comes naturally. It's something that comes supernaturally because of our relationship with Christ. So this morning, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to have that change of mindset, that change of attitude that reflects who Christ is. That attitude of servanthood. So that attitude of servanthood, that idea of serving others comes as we allow God to transform our minds. But it also comes as we allow God to change our motivation. We must change our motivation. Philippians chapter 2 verses 6 and 7. Look what it says. It says, Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man. Let us be brutally honest this morning. Outside of Christ, we are caught up in our own self-promotion. We are caught up in doing the things that will get us as individuals ahead. We are me-centered, me-focused. Heaven forbid that we should ever do anything that we or anyone around us could perceive as weakness. We're motivated by ourselves And our attitude of self-promotion. But when God begins to change our mindset, when he begins to change our attitude, that idea of self-promotion takes a back seat. And we're no longer motivated by self-promotion, but rather we become motivated by kingdom promotion. That idea of kingdom promotion is I'm willing to serve and it doesn't matter to me who gets the credit as long as God gets the glory. 
In Christ, we are secure in who we are, and that allows us to serve. The problem we find often is, the reason we often find it a problem to serve is because we do not have the security in who we are. We find our security in what we do. Here's an example. Get a group of men together. And let them start talking, particularly men who have never met each other, men who don't know each other. Let them start talking, and I guarantee within five minutes, one of the men's going to look at the other man and say, So, what do you do? We find as men our identity in the thing that we do. And so it becomes difficult to serve because we, we haven't had that change of mindset. We're still finding our motivation in the thing that we do. And if we do anything that even minimizes that thing we do, people are going to think less of us. People are going to think, yeah, he's a little weak. I can dominate him. But when God transforms our life and our motive is transformed, then we begin to realize that our identity isn't found in the things we do. Our identity is found simply because we belong to Christ. Great example of this. Our Old Testament passage, Queen Esther. One of my favorite stories in all of the Old Testament. There's been a declaration that her people will be put to death. And Mordecai sends her word. And her response is, I I really can't go before the king. He hasn't called me in at least 30 days. And if someone goes before him and he hasn't been called, there's only one way for him to be saved. And that's for the king to extend, extend his scepter. And Mordecai says, well, maybe you were brought into the kingdom for such a time as this. For this very reason and this very purpose. And so when she gets that word, she sends back this. All right, I'll do it. But pray for me. And if I perish, I perish. That's the idea of servanthood. She wasn't looking out at what would best suit her, what was convenient for her, what was good for her. She was looking out for others. And it's not just that great example that we see in Queen Esther. We also see that great example in Jesus Christ himself. Jesus gives us the perfect example. Jesus says, the son of man, John chapter 13, verses 14 and 15, it says this. If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet, for I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. That perfect example of the idea that serving doesn't diminish who you are. But it's also the perfect example of the fact that serving is never something we're too important for. The God that spoke creation into existence. Remember, Jesus is fully God. And he was there in the moment of creation speaking everything into existence. The creator takes the form of a servant and in a moment of washing feet serves his creation. You remember the moment. It's the moment the night before 
He's crucified and they're having their last meal together and he and the disciples are all sitting together and the disciples are all sitting there grumbling because no one has washed their feet. And they're looking at each other and they're saying, you know what, that foot washing job is not just the job of a servant, that foot washing job is actually the job of a slave. And they sit there looking at each other saying, I'm not going to do it. And they're looking at each other. And as they're looking at each other, Christ himself stands up, wraps himself in a towel, grabs a wash basin, and starts washing his disciples' feet. That is mind-blowing. I want you to understand how mind-blowing this concept is. Let's say you were to go to Cheddar's after church. And you get to Cheddar's, and you sit down, and your waitress comes... And it happens to be the Queen of England. I would use our president as as an example, but he's not too popular with some of us right now. That would blow your mind. That's what Christ did. And if Christ can find in him the ability to serve his creation... I think we, you and I can have our motivation changed and understand that serving doesn't diminish who we are. It actually glorifies God. I think we need to change our mindset. We need to change our motivation. And the other thing that needs to happen is we need to change our message. Philippians chapter 2 verses 14 and 15 says this. Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. We live in a crooked and twisted generation. If you don't believe me, watch this evening's news. We live in a generation, in a time, in a society, excuse me, we live in a generation, in a time, and in a society where we are very me-focused. People love Burger King because I can have it my way. I recently realized on the internet that you can get just about anything personalized, including M&M's. You can have M&M's that say anything you want them to say. As a matter of fact, we are such a me-focused generation. You can actually put your picture on an M&M. And I have to confess, I've been tempted to get my picture put on an (laughs) M&M. It's all about me. And here's the trouble. Here's the problem. Here's the issue. We do a disservice to God and to the kingdom of God when it's all about me. We do a disservice to God and his kingdom when people who profess to know Christ, when people who say, I have Christ living on the inside, refuse to serve. Or serve and grumble about it the whole time. You've seen that. Especially if you have kids. I have three kids. 
I tell my wife I have three. Uh, there's three things in my house I don't like doing. I don't like washing dishes. I do not like taking out the garbage. I do not like um, mowing the grass. So I had three children. And they know what their responsibilities are. And they know how they have to serve the family. But there are moments when I ask them to do their work of service. And you've done this before too, I'm sure. You ask your child to throw out the trash. And you get the... Or you get the... They sound like the hamburger. You know what? There are moments where we are like that with Christ. Christ has asked us to serve. And instead of serving without grumbling or complaining, we're very... Christ is placed in your heart to do something amazing for the kingdom, to find an area of, of service because he has changed your mind. He's changed your motivation. But the message that you still give to those who don't know Christ is, I'm too good to do this. When they should be seeing in your life the message of the love of Christ extended because Christians put on work boots to be the hands and feet of Christ. It is time to change our message. The world sometimes gets the wrong message from those who profess to know the Lord. We don't find service. We do not serve or we do not find joy in service. We grumble and complain. What really should set the Christian apart is joyful service to others. When you can joyfully serve others, people will look at you and it will start very spiritual conversations. Why? Because this world is dark and crooked and twisted. And in our joyful service to others, people find light and the love of Christ. I want to challenge you this morning to take what you've heard this morning, that idea of letting Christ change your mindset, change your motivation, and change your message. And I want to encourage you this morning to put it into practice. How? There's this quote by Bob Goff. Bob Goff says it this way, practice conspicuous grace. Find an obvious need and meet it with joy for the glory of God. I know you're sitting there thinking, you know what, Orlando? I wish you could give us a little bit more practical insight. Maybe a list of things that we could do, a list of ways that we could serve I'm glad you thought that because I just happen to have a list. There are things in our community that you can do. The food bank, heal the city, amazing ministries. But there are even ways to serve right here in the church. For example, there is a mission trip to Crown Point, New Mexico. If you want to do that, uh, it's on an Indian reservation. And Stuart has asked me to use the following line. Stuart says, if you are having reservations he's already done this if you're having reservations about serving on the reservation make a reservation to speak with someone in the youth department Um, 
and I do have to add the disclaimer that I said that with reservation also. <laughs> Find a way to serve. You know what? Everyone turn around for just a second. I think uh, um, there in the very back, there's Jim, right? Hey, Jim, good to see you. And Solofo, is that you, Solofo, back there? They're in the very back. You know what? These guys are back there serving. You don't even realize what they're doing. But they're back there serving. And we need people to serve at 8.30, at 11, at 11.05, running the soundboard. And it is the easiest thing to do. Don't worry. You can, if they can train me to do it, they can train you to do it. And that's so important because those people back there, you don't realize how they're serving. But if they weren't back there serving, I'd be up here and this is what it would look like. But they're back there making sure that you clearly hear a presentation of the gospel. Thank you guys so much. You know what? There is need for ushers here at the 11 a.m. service. There's need for counters in the business office. Counters that serve one day every six weeks. One day for a few hours every six weeks. Counting the money that comes into the church. Helping with the integrity of the business office. You can do Sunday school for big city. But maybe you like them before they have the ability to talk back. That's all right. You can do Sunday school for Critterland. There's the 4 Amarillo block party that we've also mentioned. Um, talk to Will Esler about being a Kaleo for the KAA camps. If you're a nurse, they're needing nurses that go to camp. You could serve by being a nurse at a Christian camp for a week. You could buy new and inexpensive shoes for Honduras. You could, be, um, you could help this cove with their school supply giveaway. I have this list. You know what? If you want any information on any of these things, talk to me. Because ultimately, that is how we will share the love of Christ with the world. God, change my mindset. So that I'm willing to have that attitude of a servant. But also change my motivation. So it isn't about promoting me, but promoting you. So that the message that the church offers the world can change. To a message of love and compassion. A message that inspires others to ask those spiritual questions. Why are you doing this? So that we can give those eternal answers. I'm doing this because Christ's love has transformed my life. Just like it can transform yours. Let's pray. Lord, we are thankful and grateful for your goodness and your faithfulness. We ask that you would change our minds. Give us that attitude of Christ. We ask that you would change our motivation. Help us be inspired by advancing the kingdom. We ask that you would help our message of love be clear through our joyful service to others for your glory in the name of Jesus amen let us to return now to God and to Christ and the Holy Spirit his tithes and our offerings <laughs>